Welcome to the Conversion Tracking Playbook, where we share how to overcome tracking challenges that e-commerce brands face today and real-world examples of transforming data into insights. Welcome back to another episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. I'm your host, Brad Redding. And today I'm going to share my process. I'm going to call it my 30-minute analysis process when I am going into a new site, whether it's one of our customers or just generally browsing around, but my process for breaking down their analytics. So many times I will come into this type of analysis without having any direct connection to what's going on marketing wise or with the brand or the owners, et cetera, and working with our team just to see where we can extract insights to deliver value and ultimately help our customers make more money, which ultimately they are trying to do. And hopefully if you're listening to this, that's part of what you are doing as well in e-com and hopefully converting more customers. So before I go through my five different tactics, I'm going to share some goals that I have. Number one, I tend to want to focus on where I can make the biggest impact and not get stuck in the weeds on things that won't move the needle. So for example, if there is a very small feature that may not be used very often, I'm not really going to spend a whole lot of time on that or really care if it has a low engagement or low activity rate. On the other hand, if I see the checkout funnel is 70%, so 70% of people that start checkout, complete checkout, really not going to spend much time there either because moving that from 70 to 80% in my experience is going to be very difficult and not likely. So again, I'm not going to make that big of an impact even if we are testing different things inside of checkout. The next goal is almost the opposite, is finding quick wins. Uh, Many times this will come via event tracking. Or just browsing the site and looking as you're going through doing your qualitative assessment when you're uh, essentially going through your analytics or event tracking reports, you're generally going through the site, whether it's on your phone, what you should be on your phone. Don't make the mistake of only going through on your desktop because it's likely less than 20% of sessions are actually using the desktop. Most are going to be on the phone. So that's something just uh, we started doing a year or two ago is stop pulling up on the laptop, just pull it up on your phone and use that as the default to go through. In any case, again, the second goal here is finding a quick win that can be very, potentially very small, but easy fixes. And this is just, it's kind of like your checklist when you get up in the morning and or the week and you just want to knock a couple of things out and feel accomplished. That's what this is. You just, you, you don't want every insight, everything that you might be potentially delivering on or embarking on to improve. You don't want everything to be a massive project that, again, you might might not see that come to fruition for a couple days, weeks, et cetera. So that's the second goal is just trying to find some quick wins. The third is, this is just more of a, one of those things that I've learned over the years. You can't try to fix the entire funnel all at once. This is what a redesign generally is trying to do. You're trying to fix your entire site at the same time. That generally doesn't always happen the way that most plan. And I like to take that same approach when going in and doing some analysis or reviewing a site is I'm not going to try to improve every part of the funnel. So the top of the funnel, trying to get people past their landing page, trying to get people to the right product, trying to get people to add to cart, proceed to checkout, convert, etc. 
So generally try to uh, stay away from the, the silver bullet for the entire site. And then the, the last goal when going into these type of exercises is hopefully a fairly obvious one, but show the data, show me the data, show you the data. I generally don't want to just throw my ideas out there without having any data behind all of them. There is one thing in my five-step process that I'm going to share that doesn't involve data, but in general, if I'm recommending or if we are recommending any improvements, we want to be, be able to show the data and give our reasoning behind that. So that's the goals going into this type of exercise. Now I will get into my five-step process and hopefully this can spark some ideas for you as you go through your own analysis. Number one, I need to see and understand what the general funnel looks like. So I mentioned it a minute ago about the number of people that are making it past the landing page. And that could just be simply getting halfway down the page, watching a video, signing up for an email uh, or progressing to the next page. But how many people are making it to the next step in the process? How many people are making it to ultimately a collection page and or a product page? How out of people that make it to a product page or a quick view on a collection page, what percentage are adding to cart? For those that add to cart, how many are initiating checkout? For those that are starting checkout, how many are completing their purchase? So that is just what I would consider a very general funnel, the easiest report in Google Analytics, UA, Asterix, uh, GA4, I won't get into. I'll be doing a lot of asterisks, I think, for the next year when referring to GA. But this is your the easiest report to pull up. They'll get you, get you about 75% of the way there with what I just mentioned is going to be your enhanced e-commerce shopping behavior and the checkout behavior if you have that set up. But even the checkout behavior, kind of throw that checkout behavior report out in universal analytics just because with shop pay or if you have upsells or recharge or other subscriptions, that report, it's, that, that report was created on a, a very strict Everyone has to go through this step one, step two, step three, and that's just not the reality and the way things work today, especially when you start thinking about abandoned carts and where they're coming in to check out, et cetera. Again, just to restate that, the first thing I'm going to analyze is what's the general funnel look like? I'll use that the checkout example. So if I see an area of the funnel, and this is something that we'll do with the team and Kirby and Andrew and others, we'll pick out and see, okay, if the add to cart to initiate checkout, so again, just looking at that mini segment of if 100 people add to cart, how many are actually proceeding to initiate checkout? If that's something like 40, 50, 60, probably more like 50, 60 plus percent, that's pretty solid. So in our opinion, based on what we see, that's a very solid number. And then if their checkout to checkout completion rate is, again, north of 50 or 60 percent, I'll usually just put like a green, something green, yellow, red, that's pretty green to me. And then start working my way back and seeing, okay, is it a struggle to get people to the product pages? Is it a struggle to get people past the landing page if you have any funnels like through content or uh, just funnels that influencers are going through, et cetera? If those are red, where we're only seeing you know 30 to 40% of people actually making it past that first step, or even on the product page, if you think about just people on a product page, if we only see 5%, less than 10% of people adding to cart, that would be another big red flag where it's it can be easy just to hyper-focus on what's going on on the product page. Do I need confidence boosters? Do I need a you know, free shipping call out? Do I need better size guide or, or things like that? That's pretty easy. That's, that's an easy one to default to, but sometimes you have to take a step back and, and think about, 
Are people even getting to their, are you driving people to their right product? Are they getting to the right product in the first place? And that, so that problem actually could be solved a little bit farther up the funnel. So that's the first thing that I'll do is again, just, I, I want to understand in general, what part of the funnel needs the, the most attention and then just start digging into there and start breaking down landing pages and different performance in that regard. So that is the first step in my process. The other thing to call out here is you can just look at all, all devices, all traffic, but if you really want, want to get granular and, and if you have the comfort and expertise to do this, you can start segmenting down. So segmenting by device or by new versus returning user or even by channel as well. Number two, what does the landscape of landing pages look like? So I'd like to use the house analogy. If a website or an e-commerce store is a house, everyone is not coming through the front door. They're coming through your garage door, your windows on both sides of the houses, potentially through a basement, coming through the attic. People are coming into your house in all these different manners. They're not always coming through the front door to your house, i.e. your homepage. So that's where just getting a sense of the landscape of what your landing page mix is. And again, this I'm walking into this knowing nothing about what's going on in the marketing channel, what's going on with the marketing team, the econ team, et cetera. This is just coming in somewhat blind uh, without having that knowledge and just trying to assess what's going on. So I'll look at things like what's the percentage of landing pages to a PDP product page versus a collection page versus home or content or other pages. But again, just try to get a general sense of where is traffic being driven the most? And then how do those big buckets, so if we just look at a product page, landing page bucket, how are those breaking down by channel? Is the majority of that traffic coming from Google Shopping or is it coming from Facebook prospecting campaigns or potentially influencers, et cetera? And the second part of this, there's a couple nuances in here. One is what's the big bucket of landing pages look like? And then start peeling that onion back a little bit more, which is how do those big buckets break down by channel, et cetera? And then I'll also, as I'm going through this assessment, want to understand what the interaction rate looks like on these pages as well. If you have the Elevar user journey tracking setup, where in addition to event tracking, like what are people clicking on, watching videos, et cetera, this is also the, there's a couple combination of events where did they scroll 50% and spend at least 20 or 30 seconds on a page, which is done through a custom event. Uh, it's in a pre-built container that we have inside the app, but trying to just get a sense of, okay, these landing pages, are the people bouncing? If they're not bouncing, are they engaging on the, on the page? Again, are they scrolling down and interacting with the content if it's a longer page? Are they watching the videos on the page? Are they potentially opting in the emails, et cetera? And that's where a user journey report like this can come in, come in handy, where if you think you have all of your landing pages in the first column, and then your separate columns are essentially goals of percentage of people that scroll 50% and spend 20 or 30 seconds on page, percentage of people that sign up for an email, percentage of people that view a product page, add to cart, et cetera. Those are all goals that you would create in Universal Analytics based on event tracking. And then you can essentially look at that. So those are all micro conversion rates for the landing pages. So that's the, the second piece that I'll go through in my analysis, second part of my analysis. Number three, this is my second favorite, event tracking. And a little bit of bias here just with our Chrome extension. And we've been really deep in event tracking for GA for many years and feel I feel like it's given a lot of our customers an edge over the years because it just 
unlocks that additional data where they can make multiple improvements that majority of other brands are not going that deep in event tracking or data. But this is looking at, if you think very simply, I will go to our homepage. So your event category is homepage. And then just look at all of the different events that are associated to that homepage. So very simply, think about main navigation, which is global, not necessarily homepage, but what are, what are people clicking on in my main navigation? Are there navigation items that have low activity and low conversion rate? If so, I'm going to test getting rid of those. Are, how many people are engaging with the hero banner or content blocks on the homepage? What's the interaction rate of people that are clicking on the Instagram block or watching a video, whatever it might be? Moving on to the product page. So what are people doing on a product page? How's the you may also like product performing? How's the size guide performing? There's a, a new guess the test video that we have with Kirby where he tested three or four different variations of a size guide on a product page because he saw that there was an event. So the size guide interaction event on a product page had a really high conversion rate, but it had a low engagement rate. So it was somewhat hidden. So they tested moving, making that size guide more prominent, assuming that if we get more people clicking on it and the conversion rate maintains, it'll lead to an overall increase in conversion rate. So that's a perfect example. And again, there's a video on our YouTube channel. You can watch that in action and see what it looks like. But those are the nuanced events that if you have it set up properly where you bucket your events by page, so event category equals homepage, event category equals collection page, event category equals product page, event category equals cart, and then all of your event actions, are they just describe what the user is doing. And again, either you set this up on your own, you use our Chrome extension, or we set it up for you. But that's what we are ultimately trying to do here is just give you more insight into what people are doing on page and if that's leading to conversions or not or friction in the process. I don't think I've ever gone through event tracking when doing this on a page by page basis and never walked out with a, okay, that's pretty interesting and probably something that if we fix will make a big impact. You'll always find at least one or minimum two little nuggets here. And uh, yeah, it's, it's typically fun because you're looking at your work, your designs in action on page. So that's number three. Number four is I will look at micro funnels. So let's say I got through number one, two, and three, looked at the overall funnel, broke down the landing pages and the different buckets and where are people going and how does that performance break down by channel? And if there are different channels that need to be tested further, then come up with some ideas to test there. And the one number three, which I just mentioned, which was going through event tracking by page, maybe you don't have that set up or maybe the site that you're looking at doesn't have it set up. This is where the, the micro funnels can help fill in that gap of finding, just going one layer deep, uh, deeper into your site analysis. So this is looking at quizzes. Many sites have quizzes, product catalog quizzes, or potentially just content type quizzes. How do they perform? If they perform very well. So someone that starts a quiz, there's an 80% completion rate and the conver conversion rate for those users is significantly higher than other act, uh, users that don't complete the quiz, then that would lead to, hey, maybe we should test making this quiz more prominent, put it in the main nav or have a pop-up flyover or something similar. Another micro funnel would, would be something like your add to carts on the collection page. So I'll try to look at those type of activities of, okay, that's people are going to a collection page and the hope is that the quick view add to cart will save that step or that click or page load where someone has to go to the product page. 
and get them farther down the path. So what is that? How does that funnel compare to those who actually go through the more prototypical process of going to the PDP, adding to cart, et cetera? Another one, your mini cart. So looking at your mini cart, how many people are engaging with the add to cart upsells in the mini cart? Is that, is that helping or hurting conversion and, and uh, revenue per visitor? Content funnels. Are you driving people or, or pulling people in through content pages like Perfect Keto or Bulletproof or some other customers that we have do an amazing job pulling in people through content? Most aren't going to expect someone that comes in, searches for how to get started on a keto diet, and they land on a Perfect Keto page and not expecting them to purchase right away. But you want to look at, are you getting them one step down the process? So that could be, is that person getting on an email list or going through a quiz or potentially reading a second page? So if they're reading a second page, then you could potentially bucket them in remarketing and just remarket to them a little bit uh, more aggressively than those that bounce and don't spend a whole lot of time on page. So that's another area that I'd look at micro funnels, landing pages too. So if you have a custom funnel, think click funnels type, but more of a custom designed funnel on site. We'll go through that. I want to analyze, especially if it's a high percentage on a landing page report, is just see how that page, how those type of pages are performing. So those are the that's number four micro funnels. So just looking at what makes the site a little bit unique and how would I analyze that a little bit further. And number five, not my favorite. Number my favorite will be the bonus, but number five is look at other experiments that have been winners or look at look at other sites that you go to for inspiration and are there things that you can potentially apply so if i know that a particular experiment or test has won on multiple sites i'll look at that and see okay could we apply that same experiment and feel pretty confident that it'll it'll work for this particular site as well so that is another one that Sometimes if you have a bunch of easy winners or good winners that you can apply, this could even fall into that quick win in the the goal of getting into one of these data analysis assessments. The last bonus, this is my favorite part. This is the, the home run idea. Yes, we want to back everything and I want to back every insight with data and give a report. So it's there's almost no arguing against it. Let data is the ultimate answer. But if we only made decisions based on data, then we would not be very innovative. Most of the innovative ideas, they, they're new. They're some, someone creative came up with them or potentially a group of people were, were talking about something and they came up with an amazing idea and implemented it. So in, in Elevar, this is something we talk about anytime we go into one of these types of projects and going through and breaking down a site is if we are recommending five things or 10, 10 things or 10 experiments, 10 insights, whatever it might be. We want to include maximum. We don't want 10 home run ideas, one home run idea. And this is the, man, I just, I think this could work well for this site. And sometimes you might be able to compare. So there's a great book called Decoding Greatness that talks through this, where you can look at something else that has nothing to do with what you're doing, a different industry, potentially different process, et cetera. But take something that worked very well in a different environment and you apply apply the learnings to the current environment. And that is where the home run idea has, has worked and has failed many times, but it's always something that we're pushing is 
what what can be something that is out of the blue that can end up being a a home run so that would be something that i would recommend to you is yes use data bring data driven insights test them validate them do surveys if needed but also don't be afraid to think up outside the box and come up with your own home run idea so that is my five step process to a data analysis deliverable and i hope this resonated and gave you a few ideas if you have any thoughts feedback questions shoot me an email brad at getelover.com and that wraps up this episode and i'll see you next time did you enjoy today's episode if so we release two new episodes per week so be sure to subscribe to this podcast on spotify apple podcasts or anywhere else that you subscribe and listen to your podcasts I also have a favor to ask. I'd really appreciate if you could leave a comment or review so I can learn exactly how to improve future episodes for you. And last but not least, if you want to connect with me, find me on LinkedIn by searching Brad Redding at Elevar. That's E-L-E-V-A-R. Or you can DM me on Twitter. My handle is I am Brad Redding. I look forward to connecting with you. Thanks again. Thanks again.